0: Well, good evening, Grace Church. How is everybody feeling this evening? All right. Well, I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're gonna just try to to get loose and, and be awake here for a minute. Um, it is good to see everybody. I'm glad to see you here on campus. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, we are so glad you've chosen to be part of the service tonight. And so as we begin, as we enter into the to the uh, presence of the Lord into the service. I'm just going to ask us to to lift our hands, lift our voices, and let's take a moment to talk to the Lord and welcome his presence into our service tonight. Jesus, we are thankful to be here. Lord, it is good for us to be here. We're thankful that you're here, O oh God, and we're thankful, Lord, for another opportunity to feel your presence. Lord, as the scripture says, we enter in with thanksgiving. We enter in with praise, Lord, and we are coming with expectancy. Lord, to hear from you, to see you, to know you, Lord. And I pray you would meet with us in a real and profound way. Everything that's going on on campus tonight, I pray your anointing would be there. Lord, that you would empower our teachers, our leaders, Lord, and all of our students, uh, from the adults to the kids, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, would you just clap your hands to Jesus with praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Okay, you may be seated. God bless you, and thank you for standing and praying tonight. As we start our service, I want to remind you of our schedule uh, coming up for the holidays. Pay, uh, if you would, just give me your attention here specifically. Got a couple of things I want to make sure you have uh, you have made note of. Of course, our Christmas service is this Sunday. The nineteenth. We have been talking a lot about this and the moment is quickly approaching and we're excited about that. This is not in my notes, but I did have a question Sunday, uh, so maybe it'd be a good thing to say. We are having Sunday school uh, at 10 o'clock on on this coming Sunday as well. We're just wanting to highlight the 11 o'clock service that we are going to have Christmas at Grace at 11 o'clock that day. Uh, We'll also be receiving our Christmas for Christ offering that day. So come prepared to give. I, I know so many of you give online, and, and we encourage you. We want you to do that. But just be prepared for either an online offering that day or here uh, while you're here at the service. All of the offering that day goes to Christmas for Christ. And quite simply, that is to plant churches in North America. And uh, I received a mailer this week in the mail, may have even been yesterday, uh, about uh, Christmas for Christ offering and the, the difference it makes. For, planting church, for our church planters to get churches planted. And uh, Brother Bernard, our superintendent, says, really, there's he, he quote uh, a quote from him, he said, there's no alternative to, spreading, uh, to planting churches if we want to spread the gospel in North America. So we want to be a part of that through our giving. And then um, here, here comes the part, I want you to really listen to what I'm saying here. Um, Sunday, December 26th, the, the Sunday after Christmas Day, Church will be dismissed that Sunday. So no service Christmas weekend. Then all of the events that following week ahead of New Year's will also be dismissed. So Tuesday prayer, uh, Wednesday night service between Christmas and New Year's will be dismissed. Uh, Our next service will be January the 2nd. So we dismiss Christmas uh, the Sunday after Christmas. Our next service will be uh, January 2nd. The Sunday after New Year's. Is that is everybody with me? Does that make sense? And um, that will be our communion service that Sunday. So we want you to come prepared uh, just to, to launch the year with fresh dedication. I'm certain pastor will be sharing vision, pastoral vision, and we'll dedicate ourselves and our church to the Lord anew and afresh in the coming year. So the week, let me say it this way, the week of December 26th, no service until Sunday, January the 2nd, which will be Communion Sunday. Finally, the, the announcement we, we, we just love to make and you love to hear, we need to make sure your mailing address is current with the church for tax returns so we can get all your uh, contribution statements to you after the first of the year. So remember that as well. If you got it, say, I got it. Awesome. Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Taking that first part, that I may know him, To get to know somebody, you have to spend time with them. That's relationship building 101. And so, of course, to get to know Jesus, we have to spend time with him. We do that, of course, through our, our prayer, our Bible reading, our personal devotion. But we also do that in forums just like this tonight in our service by being faithful to the house of God, opening the Bible, and studying the Word of God together. So my prayer tonight is that by the time this service is over, that you know Jesus just a little bit better. Amen. Pastor is coming to uh, teach Bible study tonight. Let's clap our hands to the Lord as he comes to the pulpit. God bless you, Grace Church.
1: Thank you, Brother Dave. Great to see everybody. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, We're so thankful for your coming. I'm truly happy to see all of you here tonight on campus. And uh, those of you joining us uh, on Facebook Live, our uh, live stream, we welcome you tonight as well. And uh, I'm thankful for the blessing of the Lord, uh, His ever abiding, ever abundant presence in our life. I'm thankful for that every single day. Uh, without further ado, I want to go to the Word of God tonight. And uh, I want to read tonight a very familiar reading from Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, that would be Jesus, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation. Everybody say indignation. They had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone Why trouble ye her. She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whatsoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this uh, gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. I want to teach for a little while tonight about the standard of Christian devotion. The standard of Christian devotion. I think this is um, even more so applicable at this particular time of the year being that we're in the Christmas season. But I don't believe it should be only during the Christmas season. I believe it should be a lifestyle. uh, It should be our conduct as Christian people so let's jump into it tonight. I'll have you notice according to the New Testament that twice in his ministry Jesus was anointed. Two times he was anointed once in Galilee at the house of Simon the Pharisee and by a woman who was a great sinner and once again in Judea at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper by Mary the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Luke records the first instance while Matthew, Mark, and John recount the second. It's interesting to note to me also that in both instances the homeowner's name was given and they were both Simon. This is also very interesting to me that the first Simon was a Pharisee, and the second Simon was a leper. Jesus was anointed in the house of two different men, one being a Pharisee, you may say a hypocrite. The second was a leper, and biblical terms would be a type of a sinner. This is a whole nother Bible study or sermon for another time. But Jesus was anointed in the presence of hypocrisy and sin, or what represented sin. We're not sure why each man is distinguished in such a manner. Perhaps to distinguish them from Simon Peter or Simon the Zealot, no one knows, but nonetheless the Bible mentions that they were both named Simon. In both cases, it's clear that neither of these men were in a position of judging the other, again, one was a Pharisee and one was a leper. It has been said that the world has yet to see what God can do through a man who is fully committed, implying that neither one of these men were really fully committed. Perhaps the closest we could come to defining the type of devotion and commitment is what we find that comes in the life of, Of the apostles, at one point, their devotion, their devotion and commitment to the cause of Christ resulted in it being said of them that they were those who turned their world upside down. In Acts 17, verse 6. So, our text this evening would also give us some insight as to the cost. How much does it cost a Christian? To be truly devoted and truly committed to Christ. What's the cost? As you can clearly see by this scripture reading tonight, that if you're going to be devoted to Christ, it will cost you something. Devotion to Christ does not come for free. And neither does it come cheap for that matter. It's important to note that when Jesus answers his critics and by default the critics of Mary from the outset he lays down the great motive of it all by saying that she hath wrought a good work on me. Nothing done for Jesus is wasted. Everybody say amen. Amen. So the question is not why was this done? The question is, for who was this done? That's the question that should be answered. So revisiting the scene in Bethany, we find Simon the leper, Lazarus, the twelve disciples, and Jesus sitting on the floor reclining around the dinner table, which was their custom. A woman identified as Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, She is identified by John in the 12th chapter of his gospel, approaches Jesus apparently from behind, and breaking open an alabaster box, a very precious spikenard ointment, begins to pour it over his head and his feet, according to John. This alabaster box was most likely a, a family heirloom, Just the alabaster box itself carried great value. It was beautiful. It was expensive. Probably a vase with a long slender neck carved from translucent gypsum, byproduct of limestone. The ointment she used was a fragrant ointment imported from the mountains of India. This was pure and genuine ointment. Thus, not only was the container of great value, but what it possessed or contained was of great value. In India, the favorite healing salve is at her of roses. It takes 150 pounds of roses, or about 400,000 roses in one estimate, to make just one ounce of essential oil for this ointment adherb roses is the most uh, is one of the most valuable of the volatile oils in fact it is more valuable than gold it has been estimated that Mary's gift to Jesus was worth a year's wage for an average worker i did a little bit of study and in 2019 the Average wage in the United States in 2019 was $51,916.27. That was the average. I don't know how much everybody makes here tonight. In 2021, this year, at age 45, the average income was $59,000. And there's probably people that make a whole lot more and a whole lot less. This is just average. But could you consider with me tonight very seriously and very sincerely and genuinely to look at your tax return from this past year or from this year and imagine giving that in one single offering to Jesus. Not the building program, I'm just gonna give it. Just gonna give it. Mary gave lavishly. She gave lovingly. So as you can see, this was an intensely fervent expression of devotion. As fervent, I believe, as you'll find anywhere in the scripture. It is apparent that Mary had a total disregard for what any of the others that were there might think of her extravagant outpouring of love and devotion. It didn't matter to her who was there. And her motive could not be questioned. No doubt she was surprised if not even mortified by the unexpected response of the disciples which according to John was originated by Judas, Judas Iscariot. In fact Mark records that some of those present were saying indignantly to one another why waste Why, this waste of perfume, it could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly, according to one translation. Judas, with his proverbial calculator in his hand, a man who knew the price of everything and the value of nothing, that to sink in for a moment he knew the price of everything but the value of nothing instantly calculated what he considered to be the waste the word waste in our scripture reading tonight and in the greek is actually the same greek word is used as perdition found in john 17 verse 12 a verse that refers to judas iscariot that he was a son of perdition, he was a son of waste. Judas was the waster, not Mary. He wasted his God-given opportunities and eventually wasted his life by ending it in suicide. What a contrast between Mary the worshipper and Judas the traitor. So from this introduction from this text tonight there's a few lessons that we can draw out of it and it's what I'll present to you tonight in this Bible study if time permits if it doesn't we'll finish it in the later in the future perhaps we could call them some consequences of consecration of devotion of commitment again This kind of devotion, this kind of commitment, this kind of consecration, it will cost you something, but what you are investing in will be eternal, and that's the huge consolation prize right there for everybody. So it is what we could call tonight the law of Christian devotion. The first consequence of Mary's action was that the whole house was filled with a beautiful fragrance of this ointment. It's important to note that had Mary just poured only a, a small amount, it's like taking a, the, our anointing oil and, and just do it like that, and we anoint people with oil, it's okay. But had she done that, Jesus would have still been Just as much anointed. But the fragrance would not have filled the house. You had to pour it out. It had to be poured out. I've observed that some people live their life purposing to do only what is required of them or only what is expected, the the bare minimum. I recently read of an event that happened a number of years ago on an extremely hot day, as a crew of men who were working on the railroad or the roadbed of a railroad, they were they were interrupted by a slow-moving train. The train ground to a stop, and a window in the last car, which incidentally was custom-made and air-conditioned, a window was raised. A booming, friendly voice called out, "Dave, is that you?" Dave answering. Dave Anderson, the crew chief, on the ground called back, Sure is, Jim, and it's really good to see you. It's going to be a hard story to tell because this is the name of one of my brothers. With that pleasant exchange, Dave Anderson was invited to join Jim Murphy, the president of the railroad, for a visit in his air-conditioned car, train car. For over an hour, the men exchanged pleasantries and then shook hands warmly as the train pulled out. And Dave Anderson's crew was immediately, he he was immediately surrounded by his crew and they were expressing, expressing astonishment that he knew Jim Murphy, the president of the railroad, and knew him as a personal friend. So one of the men half jokingly and half seriously asked Dave, Why was he still working out in the hot sun and Jim Murphy had gotten to be president of the railroad? Rather wistfully, Dave explained, 23 years ago, I went to work for $1.75 an hour and Jim Murphy went to work for the railroad. That's the difference. I hope you understand that because I don't have time to expound on it tonight. When Mary broke open her precious box at the feet of Christ, that expression of consecration, that expression of devotion filled the entire house. which wish everybody would listen right now. Because there was a spirit of consecration in that upper and inner chamber of that house. The influence of it was felt in the common rooms and the workplaces and everywhere. All over that house. It's important for us to know tonight. It's important for us to realize that your worship, though it is meant for Jesus only, it will be felt in all the common areas of your life. We must understand that principle. When you worship God with all of your heart, When you worship God on your way to work, when you worship God on your way home, when you worship in your home, when you even worship on the job, the presence of the Lord can be felt. There's something about your countenance that reveals another presence besides just you. As you fellowship with your fellow man, it can be felt in the classrooms of your school, in your home, in the businesses you frequent, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter who's present, true worship cannot be hidden. Amen. The fragrance of true worship will reach into every area of your life. From the day Noah stepped off the ark and built an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings of every clean beast, I worship. As much as his that day has been a sweet savor, a sweet aroma unto the Lord. In Exodus 25, the Lord spoke to Moses and told him that he was to receive only those offerings that were given willingly and ungrudgingly and those offerings would be a sweet savor a sweet aroma to the Lord the Bible said in Exodus 29 18 and thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar it is a burnt offering unto the Lord it is a sweet savor an offering made by fire unto the Lord you offer the entire thing and Leviticus the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice an offering made by fire of a sweet savor Unto the Lord. In Exodus 3, 5. A burnt sacrifice is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now watch this. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. In them that are saved. And in them that perish. Our worship in the New Testament is the same thing as them putting animals on an altar. And offering them up to the Lord and you can smell that aroma everywhere the smoke drifts in every direction if you will you ever smelt the aroma of your neighbor grilling some meat out on a grill have you ever noticed what it does to you I'll tell you what it does to me I want to immediately go next door and knock on his door and say hey man you got an extra seat at your table that smells awfully good. It's kind of a similar principle when we worship the Lord. I'm not talking about this yawning, looking at your watch. It's not that. It's not that. It's a lifestyle, it's an attitude, it's a posture, it's a perspective. It's our whole life, our entire life, every day, given up to the Lord and His purpose and for His magnification. Your very life in Christ is a sweet fragrance unto our Father in heaven. But this life in Christ is a life of worship, and it will cost you something. Mary gave her most treasured possession to Jesus, and we can do no less. Beautiful story in 2 Samuel chapter 24. When you read about King David, he wanted to buy a field that belonged to Araunah, the Jebusite. And when Ariuna found out David wanted it, he said, O king, uh, I'll, I'll give everything to you today. You don't have to buy anything from me. You're the king. But David responded when, when he said that. And he, the king said unto Araunah, David said unto him, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. True worship will cost you something. But whatever the cost, it's worth it. But whatever the cost, it's worth it. The blessing that we live under every single day. Living a devoted, committed, consecrated life. Sister Murphy and I talk about it often in our own home. In our own personal lives. The blessing that comes from being committed and consecrated and devoted. Just loving Jesus. Just loving Jesus. The blessing every day. is worth everything we've ever given to Him. And ministry true worship reaches far beyond your realm of influence and into the areas you never dreamed possible the second consequence of Mary's action was that the disciples led by Judas I want everybody to hear this part especially This moment, the contrast in this moment, it's unbelievable. You have this moment of just amazing worship being manifested. Everybody knew it. Everybody could smell it. And in that same moment came this unbelievable tide, tsunami if you will, of criticism. Woman's an idiot. She's lost her mind. So it was led by Judas Iscariot. He criticized her for wasting her valuable ointment on the head and feet of Jesus. Why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? The truth of the matter, according to John's account, was that Judas said this not because he cared two cents for the poor. The real reason he said it was because he was a thief. couldn't be fulfilled within himself he had to take what belonged to other people he was in charge of the disciples common funds and according to John he also embezzled from them and even in the upper room six days later the disciples still thought Judas was concerned about helping the poor it's interesting that the word translated waste again in mark 14 is translated perdition in John 17 that applied to Judas Judas criticized Mary for wasting money when at the exact same time Judas was wasting his life now watch this you'll see it on the screen a study of Judas character and the context of Mary's uninhibited devotion to Christ reveals what it is that often causes a believer to become hypocritical and unbelieving Judas followed Jesus, but he criticized Jesus' followers. He was a professing believer, but when he disagreed with others, he criticized them. He criticized even those who had a great devotion and love for the Lord. He criticized even those who repented to the point of of making great sacrificial gifts. In fact, Mark points out in his gospel that Judas was especially strong in his criticism saying that Judas was indignant. This means growling, rebuking. That stupid woman, what is the matter with her kind of attitude? Scolded her, rebuked her, growling at her. It's what indignation means. To Judas this lavish act of worship seemed too valuable. It was too valuable to even be given to Jesus. It is amazing to me that people can feel that way. I've heard people in my lifetime criticize people who've given huge amounts of money or time or talent to the church. I've heard people say in my past, why is that person singing and playing the piano in church when they could be in Nashville somewhere making millions? It's not wasted here. It may not be a big crowd, but it's not for the crowd. I'll say again, when we worship, it's to an audience of one, and His name is Jesus. That's who we worship. That's who we glorify. To Judas it seemed too costly, way too sacrificial, way unnecessary. Seemed misplaced and wasted. Judas and and any others who thought like him could not have been more wrong. It is obvious to even the most casual observer that Judas worked for Jesus, but Judas did not love Jesus. And it seems to me that this problem still exists in our day to day. There seems to be quite a number of folk who work for Jesus but they've never really fallen in love with him. Jesus said of these folks, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The third consequence of Mary's action was that Jesus commended her and accepted her gracious gift? He knew the heart of Judas and understood why the other disciples followed his bad example. But he also knew Mary's heart, and he quickly defended her. Paul said in Romans chapter eight, "He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall I lay? Who shall I lay anything to the charge of God's elect?" God that justifies I can't ever criticize anybody or judge anybody for anything they do for the kingdom of God I don't do that I applaud them I encourage them and I am certainly blessed tremendously by them when you fall in love with Jesus Paul said it in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? When you fall in love with him, you can sure start feeling his love for you. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, neck and his peril or sword, as it is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers nor things present, things to come to height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate us From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is what Mary got back from Jesus. When she poured that oil out, Romans 8, 35 through 39 is what she got back. She was never, ever able to move out from the umbrella of Jesus loving her. No matter what others may say about our worship and service, the most beautiful thing, the most necessary thing, the most important thing is that we please him, always please him in your worship. The fact that others misunderstood, have misunderstood and, and criticized Christian people, these things should not, even, even criticism should not keep us from showing our love to the Lord. When, when Mary gave her best at the feet of Jesus, she started a wave of blessing that has been ongoing ever since. Jesus said, for wherever the gospel is preached, this lady's going to be mentioned that 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 moment, that event of true consecration, dedication, manifested in worship, Jesus will not let our current world forget it. Right. It started a wave that is not ended to this day. I'm preaching about it now. I often wonder how many how many times on a given Sunday is this not mentioned in somebody's sermon somewhere around this world. She was a blessing to Jesus as she shared her love for him. And she was a blessing to that home. (coughs) I've often wondered what could have happened to those disciples had they been more open-hearted to that kind of an expression of worship and not closed-minded to it. I've heard people say more than once, I'll never worship all that. I'll, I'll I'll never get into all that. I'll never do all that. And then there's people that sometimes they do it for a show and attract attention, whatever. I'm not talking about that kind of worship. I've seen people lost in the Holy Ghost. And it moves the people around them. You can't help it. You can't help it. Were it not for Mary, her village, Bethany, would have probably been forgotten. Not only was Mary, not forgotten, but where she lived was not forgotten. The people that lived there was not forgotten because of that one expression of worship. The account of her deed was a blessing to the early church that heard about it. And because of the records and and three of the gospels, Mary has been a blessing to the whole world for many generations and still is. The Lord's prediction has certainly been fulfilled. Mary gave her best in love and faith, which is a fulfillment of the law of Christian devotion. God wants from us the best we have to offer, the greatest, that is the greatest act of worship. So in conclusion tonight, I recently read, I'm kind of sorry now that I didn't sidetrack and, and expound on some of this because I still have some time. But don't get nervous. I'm not going to go backwards on the iPad screen. So, <coughs> But I recently read where two wealthy Christians, a lawyer and a merchant, joined a party that was traveling around the world. And the article said in Korea one day they saw in a field by the side of the road a boy pulling a, a, just a rude, crude plow while an older man held the plow handles and directed it. The boy was pulling the plow, and the older man was directing it. The lawyer on this trip was amused and took a snapshot of the scene and said, that's a curious picture, I suppose they're very poor, he said to the missionary who was interpreter and the guide on this particular party of people. Yes, was the reply. The guide, the interpreter said, that is the family of Chi Naui, if I'm pronouncing that right. When the church was being built, they were eager to give something to it, but they had no money. So they sold their only ox and gave their money to the church. This spring, they are pulling the plow themselves. The lawyer and the the businessman, the merchant by his side, were silent for some moments and the businessman spoke up and said that that must have been a real sacrifice the interpreter the guide said they do not call it that they thought that it was fortunate that they had an ox to sell I wonder what would happen when you bring your tithe Sunday when you bring your Christmas for Christ gift Sunday, whatever it is, you put it in the offering, I wonder what would happen to your heart if you just felt thankful that you had that to give. What would that feel like? It's the law of Christian devotion. That poor Korean family gave to the Lord the best they had to offer. And they gave it with the right motive. They just loved God. Like Mary's action and like the actions of this poor Korean family, there are some things that have a language of their own. There are thoughts too solemn and sweet and holy to be enmeshed in words. There are sentiments too refined for vocalization, yet the soul with indescribable yearning longs to express it. The musician takes refuge in music and makes song his soul expression i will divert for a moment came to the church it's not long after we bought this building and i heard music playing and then i heard a voice singing and i immediately recognized it i came in here in Casey was in here alone she's all by herself at the piano just singing and i couldn't interrupt the moment i don't know that i've ever told her this story If I thought here for a few minutes, I could tell you at least one of the songs she was singing, especially if I heard it playing, it would help. She wasn't in here practicing. She wasn't in here trying to get better. But there was a desire. That God, you've given me a talent and ability, and I'm just going to come in here, just me and you, and I'm going to go to it, and I'm going to sing to you a song with all of my heart. I stood there in the lobby for a little while, and listen to her and then walk down the hall to my office. I'll never forget that day. An artist will fling his emotions onto canvas and give it color and tone and light. Melanie here tonight has done that more than once. But we who are without such talents must make use of God's handiwork. Sometimes we struggle with what to say. The words seem to be right there, yet we're unable to adequately express our thoughts. Don't worry yourself over that. God understands. He knows the very secrets of our heart, and therefore he knows what it is that you would love to say to him, but there's just no words to say. Rather than frustrating yourself over verbiage, do what Mary did. Just pour out to God the best of what you have. And the fragrance the fragrance of your open and honest worship will permeate wherever you are, bringing with it the blessing of God's ever abiding presence. The fragrant, the fragrant expression of Mary's love and devotion for Christ was a message of a love that never counts the cost. Her act of devotion was equivalent of a year's wage but has lasted eternally. Love and devotion are never so beautiful, so divine, as when it is expressed in the terms of sacrifice. This kind of love pleases the master. So I leave you with this tonight for you to consider. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. One translation said, so then my brothers, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his worship and pleasing him. This is the true worship that you should offer. True worship will cost you something, it's a sacrifice Unto God, Christians must possess a single-minded passion to please God in love and devotion, praise and holiness, and to offer the members of their very bodies for his service. I will quote again the phrase that's been wore out and it's been quoted. It's old, it's moldy. But live in God for here, don't always pay that much. But the retirement plan is out of this world. I want to go to heaven. Does anybody feel the same? Would you stand with me tonight? And can we take a moment? I think a presentation like this one deserves some response, not to me, but to him. Can we just take a moment and let's pour our heart out to the Lord. Let's worship him. Father, we love you tonight. And I hope we're saying it not just with words, but you can see it in our life. You can see it in our heart, our attitude, our perspective, our posture. I pray, God, tonight that we can truly worship you every day that we live our life, a living sacrifice. Understanding that it's the greatest life that can be lived. It's the greatest life that can be lived. I pray, God, that you would anoint all of us here tonight with your presence. Help us, God, to be blessed by your spirit and to give our lives totally and completely to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. We have a fine crowd here tonight. Thank you so very much for being here. And we look forward to seeing you at our Christmas service this coming Sunday morning. Bring somebody with you. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.